Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, we are in this series right now that Luke began last week called God Is, and we are exploring some of the names of God. Um, Within the context of the Bible, we know that there are over a hundred names of God. Like, but over this four-week series, we're going to just be exploring just a few of them. Don't worry. But it is a little bit different. It's kind of like going back to school. It's a little bit more teachy than it is preachy. But in this series, we are equipping you. We are equipping you so that you can stand in your place in life and you are able to pray in an effective way because when you understand who God is, you know what He can do, what He can bring to your life and who you are in Him. And so we're going to be looking at some of the names of God. My mum is one of five sisters And they were all um, named and raised by my grandparents. But on a Sunday, they all had a different name to their birth name. Um, I don't know what that was about. I don't know whether my grandparents felt posh just calling the girls a different name. They had a Sunday name. Thankfully, it's not a tradition that was passed down. We ended. That was ridiculous. But when we go into this series of the names of God, I want you to know that God doesn't have a Sunday name and a Monday name. He's not having an identity crisis or trying to figure out who he is. That is not why God has multiple names. The names of God are given to us so that they can speak and tell us of his nature and of his attributes. They are given to us so that we can have a better understanding of the character of who God is. When you read through your Bible, you might not see some of these Hebrew names. If you read the King James Version, you will see the Hebrew names of God. But if you read a more modern translation like the NLT or the NIV, which probably most of us read, you will see in certain passages of Scripture, it won't give you the name of God, but it will give you the attribute, His character. It will describe who God was and what He was like in the context of that scripture. So last week, Luke introduced us to Jehovah Nissi. And Jehovah Nissi means God's banner over us. And it was a name that was given to God by Moses. When Moses saw that God covered him during a time of battle, Moses said of God, Jehovah Nissi has been with me in this place. And as we travel throughout the Bible, what you're going to see is the names of God were given to him by different people's experiences of him. So everybody's individual experience of God brought about a different expression of God. So what we must understand while we're going through this series is you're not in a Hebrew class today. So you don't have to master all the Hebrew names of God. That is not what is a priority here. But what is, is that you understand the character of God through the name of God. Okay. And so God wants you to know him. 
and know him through the different expressions and the different experiences of who he is. God wants you not to just know him, but really know him. Because the closer you are to a person, the more that you know them right? God doesn't want to just be the God that you pray to in a crisis and sing to on a Sunday. He's like, I want you to really know who I am. Many of you know Dave. Dave stands up here on platform regularly. You know Dave as being a senior leader in this house. But I've known Dave for 18 years. And I know him as a faithful friend. I know him as someone who's trustworthy. Now, Vicky is married to Dave, so she knows him in a different context. She knows him as a soulmate. She knows him as, you know, um, she knows him as a soulmate. She knows him as a best friend. She knows him intimately. But Elsie knows him as father. And so Elsie knows him as protector and provider. That's her experience of Dave. Anne is Dave's mum. She knows him in a different way. You want to know anything? Go to Anne. She knows him in a completely different light. But Dave is also someone's brother. He's also a brother-in-law. He's also to someone else. He's an uncle. What you might not know about Dave is he's a trained chef. You might never have known that about Dave. But I've been a friend of Dave's for a long time. So I know these things. The other things you might not know about Dave is he likes a party. He likes to dance. He's a lot of fun to be around. So if you want to get that party started, you invite Dave. That's what you do. But what I'm trying to make you see is he is one person but many people have a different experience of him and their different experiences of him bring about a different expression of him. That is why coming together as a church and being in church is so important because all of you have a different experience of God. And when we all come together, we get the different expressions of God brought into the one room. And therefore, that's why it's not healthy and not good that you try to do home church alone because you are just one expression of God. But God is so multifaceted that He wants you to know Him, really know Him. That involves being around people and getting to understand the nature of God. God is too awesome to be trapped into one word. So He uses many words to describe Himself. Now, any time that you read about the names of God in the Bible, any time you see the name of God, there are always three things at play. Sometimes simultaneously, sometimes just one at a time. But in the name of God, you will always see His power, His purpose, and His plan. They are always revealed in anyone who is named, His power, His purpose, His plan. Some of His names begin with L. E-L. Whenever you see God's name beginning with L, it means mighty or powerful. So for example, El Roy. Roy means the God who sees. 
So He is the powerful, mighty God who sees. Anytime you feel a little bit directionless in your life, a little bit confused in life, I'm unsure of where I'm going. I don't know how to make that decision. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this situation. You can call on El Roy because He's mighty to be able to see. It first came about in Genesis 16 through a young servant maid called Hagar, who was running away from her mistress. And she ran and she left the camp and she had a dispute with her mistress, Sarah, and she ran into the wilderness. She's heavily pregnant and she sits down by a well and the angel of the Lord appears to her and begins to ask her, Hagar, where are you going? What are you doing? And then he gives us some clarity for her life. He tells her where she should go. He tells her what she should do. And she says, El Roy met me here. The God who sees, he didn't just see me on the run, but he saw into me and he knows where I need to be. So if you're ever experiencing lack of vision for your life, you can call on El Roy. El Shaddai is another El name where God wants to show himself mightily and powerfully. El Shaddai shows up in Genesis 17 and El Shaddai means all sufficient one. It means he's more powerful and more greater. God wants you to know that he is the all sufficient one. I don't know where you feel insufficient. I don't know where you might feel lacking. I don't know where you might be in need, but he wants you to know today El Shaddai He is the all-sufficient one. There is no more one more powerful and more equipped than God to be able to meet your need. Another name you might come across is Adonai. Now, Adonai means Lord and Master. Lord and Master. And for me, this is where many Christians get a little bit lost because we all know how to call him Lord but very few allow him to be master. We all know how to pray and how to sing to the Lord, but often we're allowing ourselves to be mastered by something else. We allow ourselves to be mastered by our opinions and are mastered by our feelings, mastered by our emotions, mastered by oppression, mastered by depression. And so we call Him Lord. And this is why often our prayers are not effective because He's Lord of our life, but He's not master of our life. So when you're crying out and you're praying to the Lord for an answer, but you're not seeing the answer, it is usually because something else is being your master. Adonai, He wants to be Lord and master of your life. Not just the one you sing and pray to, but the one that you follow and obey and let him lead you. That's what it is to be mastered. It's who are you being led by? You know when someone has Adonai as their Lord and master because their countenance changes. They're kind, they're not critical. They're humble, they're not proud. Their language changes. They don't talk and gossip. They have a different manner of speech. Why? Because they are being mastered by Adonai. God wants to be Adonai over your life. You can spend years of your life praying for something that is right, but if your master is wrong, 
you're going to spend years stuck. Whatever masters your life controls your life. Whatever controls your life controls your future. So it is important that we don't just sing and cry, Lord, but we allow Adonai to show up. Adonai, when he's Lord and Master. Jehovah is the one that we're going to be majoring on in this series. And the word Jehovah means God revealed. Anytime the name Jehovah is spoken, it means there is something in God's character that he wants to reveal to you, that he wants to show you. And it comes through the name Jehovah. Jehovah. (laughs) He wants to show you something of himself. We have Jehovah Shalom, which we're going to be hearing about next week. Jehovah means revealed. Shalom means peace. God wants to reveal his peace to you. We have Jehovah Shema. Shema means his presence. Jehovah revealed. God wants to reveal his presence to you. Can you understand that God doesn't want to be a faraway God, but there's many layers to him that he wants to get personal with you? He does not just want this you know, Sunday God, this religious God, this he's there, you're here. He's like, I'm giving you my name so you can reveal my attributes, so you can have them present in your life. But the one that I want to major on for the time that I have left is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah God revealed, Jireh provision. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. I think it's one of the more common names that people may have heard about in, during the, um, the names of God. If have you've been reading about it or you've been around Christian circles, you know. But I have heard Jehovah Jireh taken out of context so many times, you know, need a new car, Jehovah Jireh. And it's like, No, 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 no. Jireh is his name, not Jehovah Jireh, as in the bank. Like he's not there for all your financial needs. And some people think they're serving Jehovah Jireh. And like, whatever I want in my life, I can just pray to him. And we think Jehovah Jireh is there when we need the car or the holiday, or we see two for one on the shelf in oldies. And we're like, oh, praise the Lord, Jehovah Jireh. That is not who Jireh is. God And this portion of Scripture wants to reveal His provision to you. And His provision is not giving you your wants, but He will provide for you what you need, when you need it, for where you are in your life. Jehovah Jireh. So let's just not get misunderstood. Jehovah, he wants to reveal something. The word provision means providing or supplying something for use. I want you to understand, God just doesn't bless you for the sake of blessing you, but God will bless you for use. So when you have a need in your life, God doesn't fill that need in your life because you're his favourite this week. God fills that need in your life because he has use 
of what He's giving you in your life. So He is Jehovah Jireh. So we get a little bit confused when we're praying to Jehovah Jireh and having Him in mind because when we're praying to Jehovah Jireh, you see, when you understand the names of God, it changes the way you pray. Because when you understand the character of God, you know what He has within Him. So I can pray to God for this purpose because I know He has that in His character. Therefore, He's more than able to answer the need that I have. You pray with a confidence because you know whom you're asking. And this is what God wants. And so often when it comes to Jehovah Jireh being the provider, we're like, God, I really need a holiday. I could so do with a holiday. I've been under so much stress and I've been under so much pressure. But here's the thing, you're asking for the holiday because you think the holiday is going to be the fixing of the relationship that is breaking but Jehovah Jireh doesn't want to give you what you need, what you want. Because when you, when you pray in that way, what you're praying is for something that you think will make you feel better. I would feel better if I just had a break. I would feel better if I just had a, and you can put, put whatever you want in there. But God doesn't want to make you feel better in life. He wants to make your life better better. And therefore, He doesn't answer the prayer of what you want. He knows you better than you know yourself. So sometimes it's worth saying to God, show me what do I need at this moment of time in my life? What is it that I need? Why do I feel this way? Why am I down? Why am I breaking? Why do I feel dysfunctional? Why am I falling out with people? What do I need? Instead of going to God and telling Him what you think would make you feel better. Whatever God gives you will sustain you. Whatever you ask for in the form of a need, well, it's just like putting the plaster on a saw. It's still there when you take the plaster off. So God wants to make your life better. The very first time that we see the name Jehovah Jireh mentioned, it's in Genesis um, 22. And it's the story of Abraham obeying the instruction of the Lord to take his son up Mount Moriah and sacrifice him to the Lord. And it's the first time we hear this phrase, Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to read through this story. It's a chunk of scripture. I'm going to go through it pretty quick. But then I want to draw out three points from it to help you identify when you will see Jehovah Jireh in your life. So Genesis 22, starting at verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. I just want you to hold that phrase because this is a really important point. I want you to go and sacrifice him on one of the mountains that I will show you. 
The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled the donkey. He took two servants with him along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped the wood for the fire for the burnt offering and he set out to the place that God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and we will come right back. Can we just pause and note Abraham's faith in God? He's going to sacrifice his son. He's going in obedience to the Lord, but he's just told his servants, me and the boy will come right back. Like, he just knows there is nothing that God could ask of me, that he won't make provision for me to get through. So Abraham placed the wood for the offering on Isaac's shoulders. And while he himself carried the fire and the knife and the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, where, uh, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. And when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar. He put the wood on it. Then he tied up his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar of the wood. Then Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me, even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its, caught by its thorns, horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, this is another really important point, and to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The first point that I want to make is that you will see God's provision when you are on the mountain of the Lord. When you are on the mountain of the Lord. God did not lead Abraham up the mountain. Abraham chose to climb the mountain that God showed him. So I think it would do us all good to ask ourselves the question, am I climbing the mountain that God has showed me to climb? You know, for so many of us, we've climbed our own mountain. And now we're wondering, well, where's God's provision? For we set about building a way of life without asking God the question, is this the way for my life? And so we've pursued the relationship and we've climbed the mountain of emotion and we've climbed the mountain of feelings and we've climbed the mountain of excitement. But when the relationship hits turbulent times, we're calling on the name of the Lord for his provision but we're having trouble hearing him because he's not on the mountain that we have climbed. 
And so we can put that metaphor into many different situations. For we create mountains, we create financial mountains, we create relational mountains and prideful mountains and self-opinionated mountains. It's a way of life that you've built for yourself. It's when you've gone ahead in life and you've gone, this is the way it's going to be for me and this is how I'm going to do it. And you've built and you've got deeper and deeper and deeper into the relationship and you've got more and more and more into debt and you've been adamant, this is what I'm going to do and this is the way I'm going to go. But it's not the mountain that God has shown you to climb for your life. And then what happens is you end up looking around for the Lord because I'm in trouble. I went here and I did that and I climbed this and I pursued that. Can I just say, no one falls up a mountain. You got there on purpose. You have to intentionally climb up a mountain. So when you sit with someone and they go, I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got here. It just, oh, it just, just, I'm just here. It just, things happen to me. No, 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 no. You intentionally climb a mountain and it takes effort and it takes hard work. So we must understand that God's provision for your life will only be found on the mountain that he's shown you to climb. What we understand about this passage of scripture is God led, led Abraham to the area of Moriah. He said, and when you're in the area of Moriah, then I'll show you the mountain to climb. The area of Moriah is in fact in the promised land. So what we know is this season of Abraham's life, he was living in the sweet spot. He had his land, which we know was lush and it was plentiful. He had his business and his cattle and his stock and his servants. He had his beautiful wife and he had the son that they had waited like decades to have. When God spoke to Abraham, Abraham was in a good place in his life. Everything was right. And I don't know where you, it finds you right now. This is what I want you to see. You might be living in your promised land life right now. You might have the, the job of your dreams. You might have the, the child you've been praying for. You might be living in the house that you always wanted to live in. You might be, you know, running your own business. You're dating the girl you've always wanted to date. You're married. You've got your 2.4. Like you could say, in this place, in this place in my life right now, God has been good to me. Like life is good and God has been good to me. But I just want to tell you that um, whenever you feel satisfied and whenever life feels good, don't become complacent because there'll always be another mountain to climb. And God will always give you the opportunity. Do you want to settle or do you want to go higher? Because the higher you go, the more I can show you. And the higher you go, the more I can give you. But it's going to require something of you to climb. Climbing ain't easy. Climbing takes something out of you. So Isaac had a choice. Do I carry on living life as it is now, really sweet and really happy and really content? Or do I keep on going? Because God's provision is ongoing for those who keep on going. So I encourage you to keep looking and asking God, I know life's great right now, but what mountain do you want me to climb? The second thing is God will bless you and he will test you. He will bless you 
and he will test you. God doesn't just bless you to rest you, but often he will bless you and then he will test you. And often he will test you with what he's just blessed you with. Uh, It's on YouTube, you don't have to write all that down. God gave Abraham and his wife a child that they'd longed for for years. It says of Abraham and Sarah that they were like, they were knocking a hundred when they finally conceived Isaac. And by the way, in this story, Bible scholars reckon Isaac was somewhere between 15 and 25 years old. So we're not talking about a little boy. We're talking about a young, strong man of God. And um, so, so life was good and God had fulfilled a promise and given them a child that they'd been praying for. God had caused the barren womb to become fruitful. God can do this. The area of your life that you think it's over. I don't know what that is, but I know that's for someone today. That you've been going, it is over for me. Like, I'm not going there again. I'm not going to try that again. I've been too hurt in relationships. I've been rejected from too many jobs. That area of my life, it's just barren. I've hit an age. I've hit a stage where nothing more can come to me. I've wasted the years behind me. I'm telling you now, he's the God who makes barren rooms fruitful. And whatever area of your life that is, God can make it fruitful again. But it's as though in this past, passage of scripture. He was testing Abraham. (laughs) He was testing him. You know what, what makes me laugh is we read this passage of scripture and the passage of scripture starts by saying, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. We know that because it's written in the Bible. This wasn't written when Abraham was being tested. Abraham did not know he was in a test. Please don't think every difficult thing you're up against is persecution and problems. It might just be that the Lord is testing what is in you as much as he's wanting to show you what is in him. And so he's testing Abraham. Abraham, you wholeheartedly followed me. You prayed to me earnestly. You were at every church meeting, every prayer meeting. You never lift a light, miss a life group when you needed a miracle in your life. But can you still show me that level of a commitment now? Now you're living in the promised land. Now you've got the dream. Now you've got the job. Now you've got the baby. Can you still show me that level of commitment? God will allow your faith to be tested, not just so he can see what's in you, but so that you can also see what is in him. You see, you you don't grow when life's good. And I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but if you're in a place now and the relationship's great and the kids are all behaving and, you know, the job's going good and da-da-da-da-da-da and you've nailed the diet and it's all ha- Listen, you're not growing in your faith, okay? Any fitness instructor will tell you that, that muscle strength is developed through resistance training. And it's only when that that muscle is up against a weight, that it's up against a force, that it's up against that it's up against something strong, that the muscle is developed through the resistance. God understands that too about your faith. He's like, it's only when you're up against an adversity, it's only when you're up against a problem, it's only when you're coming against a difficulty that your faith is able to be made strong and strengthened. God understands that about him about us. 
In the beginning of the scripture, like I said, it says that Abraham's faith was tested. And God was asking something pretty wild and outrageous from Abraham who didn't know he was being tested. I'm not lying. I'd have probably, I'd have probably spent the next 10 days asking everybody, uh, you know, do you think it's God or the devil? One of them speaking very clearly to me right now, and I'm not sure which one it is. I feel like the enemy is telling me to take one of my kids out. I'm like, you know, um, but so he's saying here, Abraham was being tested and God was asking something pretty big and outrageous of, of Abraham. He's asking him to take the son that he loved and give him up. But I think God was testing Abraham to see, has the thing I blessed you with become greater than the one who blessed you? Because it happens. It happens because whatever we put before God then becomes our God and we do it with people, we do it with possessions, we do it with positions all of the time. And so we're in every meeting and we're wholeheartedly committed to God and we're rallying the troops to pray with us. We're on our floor in worship and we're, we're the biggest ones and the loudest ones and we're shouting all the amens and then we get the miracle. We get what it is we've earnestly prayed for and God's like, has the blessing become greater than the blesser? Because I'll test you. And I think this is what he was testing Abraham for. They'd waited nearly 100 years for that child. Can you give it back to me? Can you surrender it to me? And the third and final thing is God blesses you on purpose for purpose. So God didn't want to take Abraham's son from him. This couple had waited a long time. God is not a cruel God and God is not an unkind God. And I think Abraham just knew that. That's why he walked up the mountain because it's like it might sound a bit strange what he's saying to me and I might not understand it but I know he's a good God I know he's faithful I know he's true I understand his character so I'm going to follow him and I'm going to trust him so Abraham went up the same way I think God needed to know you know Abraham trusted God when he had nothing to lose and God wanted to know can you still trust me even when it's going to cost you greatly? And so he led him up the mountain. As Abraham was about to take his son's life, the angel of the Lord appeared and stopped him. And as Abraham looked up, he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And he knew at that point that God had provided the ram to be sacrificed in place of his son. In verse 15, the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. Because you've obeyed me and you've not withheld the most precious thing from me. This is me paraphrasing now. Because you never withheld from me the thing that was most precious to you, I will multiply the very thing that you were willing to sacrifice to me. Let me tell you, whatever God asks you to give, it's not so he can take it from you. It's so he can give you more. It's always for the more. Because you were willing to give to me the very thing that was most precious to you, 
I will give you more sons than you can count, more than the stars in the sky, more than the grain of sand on the beach. This will be your descendants. And Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh because God had provided. He gave him what he needed. But this is what I want you to see just as we bring this to a close, that God's provision was throughout the whole story because the first thing that God provided Abraham with, with an opportunity. He provided him with an opportunity to climb. Whether you climb or not, the choice is yours. He then provided him with an opportunity to obey. You know, when you obey God, you're going to see his provision. He then provided him with an opportunity for Abraham to show God his faithfulness. And in return, God showed Abraham his faithfulness. And the whole thing resulted in Abraham having in his lifetime more than he possibly ever could have wished for, hoped for, or imagined. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.